Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for this morning. We had a great service, uh, the first service, and I'm going to do my best to let my voice carry on. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm man, I'm, man, ooh, my birthday, ooh, ooh, I, I made it through another year. But on the same day I made it through another year is the same day he's starting another year. Come on, somebody. Amen. That's how God works. But it is good to be with you this morning. And I want to set a tone for a moment because uh, my anniversary, we're 34 years, but we've known each other 41. And the difference maker is Jesus. I, I, I can be transparent with you and tell you, if it wasn't for Jesus, we wouldn't be married. I'm just being honest. It, marriage is tough. Because your flesh don't want to die to one another. And, and, you know, a lot of times we get our roles mixed up. You know what I'm saying? We get our roles mixed up. The man's the priest of the home. And then the wife tries to overrule the man. And, the, and then the children look like, well, mama can do it. We can do it. And, you know, like, man, oh, my gosh. But, but we're making it. Come on, somebody. Because we're operating on the finished work of Christ. So if, let me just set a stage for you. If you are struggling with anything this morning, my, my request to you, is be strong enough to surrender it to Christ. Because if you're willing to do that and take God at his word, then I promise you this, that you will never walk out disappointed. Every decision that you make regarding Christ and the will of Christ, you'll walk out victorious, even in the midst of suffering. We'll talk about that in a minute, but I, I want you, I want to set that stage because a lot of times we get locked into a routine. We know we come, we greet, we do a certain amount of songs, et cetera, et cetera. But I want you to know that the Holy Spirit has always been moving and working in your life, whether you realize it or not, because his job is to make you more and more like Christ. And once you came to Christ, you no longer live, but it's Christ that lives inside you. That the world may know that God sent his sovereign son to die for the sins of the world. Amen. How can you be mad at a God who wants to deliver you out of bondage? Right. How can you be mad at a God that didn't give you second best but gave you the very best? He, let's put it like this. He tied 100% for you. Yeah. So I want to set the stage for you to open up your heart to receive the word today. And to receive what God has for you. I promise you that God's going to plant a seed in you. But as soon as that, ooh, excuse me. <laughs> as soon as that seed is planted, understand this, spiritual warfare. I got any military men in here. Amen. All right, thank you for fighting for the country, for our freedom. Yeah. You, you, you know, if you've ever been in bondage, you know what it's like to be free. But there's a greater freedom at stake, as you heard and that's being free in Christ. There can be no freedom if you're not in Christ Jesus. You're still in bondage. If you're not born again, you're still in bondage. And everything that you're living your life for, you didn't ask to be in this world, and you're not asking to exit this world. If you're not in Christ, the reality is everything you do is meaningless. You have already received your reward. The fact that I know that one day I'm going to get caught up in the rapture. I'm believing I'm not going to see a grave. But if I do, everything I've done for Christ is meaningful. Amen. Amen. I have a meaningful life now since I've become born again. Yeah. I have a meaningful life as I submit to God. And, and let me say plainly and in love, you cannot live for God 
unless you first die for God. In every aspect of your life. And this is hard because we are grown up on what we hear, feel, see, touch, and think, and smell. We grew up living off our family and the bondages in our family. I know we went to church as a young, as a young man in Compton, California. And it wasn't because I was in love with Jesus. We went to church because my dad made us go to church because he said, this is payback. If I had to go, you got to go. <laughs> and if we didn't go, we would get spanked. Now, how many know that would never cause us to fall in love with Jesus? Who wants a God that's going to spank you for not showing up? Come on, somebody. But Jesus is a lot different than us. See, the problem, beloved, and I'm getting into this word. I just want to set your heart because I asked Pastor earlier, and if we were able, I would love to pull that cross down and put it right here. And here's why. Freedom. Amen. Now, now watch here. There are people sitting in here today, including myself. Oh, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> including myself, that you've carried in this house of God, and I'm glad you're here, but you're, 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 you're free on the outside, but you're locked up on the inside. There, there, there's bondages for medication. There's bondages with anger. There's bondages with guilt and condemnation. There may be some racial tension. There may be pro-life, pro-choice tension. You're in bondage. And you, you ha your heart's desire is to be free, but you have trouble letting go of some issues that God is allowing to stir up in you so that you can recognize as an issue and then put your issue based on the word of God. So he who the son sets free is free indeed. And he is the way, the truth, and the life that you can put your bondage at the cross. Amen. Amen. I'll tell you a little something later on there. But I want you to prepare your heart. And number one, God's not mad at you. I'm doing the best I can to smile. <laughs> His holy smile just covers all 360. I just got... Three quarters, okay? So, you know, he, he's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. If you never did anything right and didn't even come to Jesus, he's still madly in love with you. Because he set the standard for freedom. You can be an atheist and agnostic, but you can't change how God feels about you. The fact that God made you come through the womb tells you how important you are. The fact that God manifested himself in the flesh and came to this world and died on the cross after being beaten, whipped, and scourged, and marred, and he rose from the dead just so he can have fellowship with you should tell you how important you are. The fact that he would defeat the enemy because you're worth it. See, a lot of times, I don't deserve this. God said, change that thinking. Change that thing. What do you mean you're not worth it? If you weren't worth it, I would have never came. And let's put it like this. You never asked me to come. I chose to come and die for you to cover you so that I can fellowship with you because I'm madly in love with you. Does that make sense? So this morning, with my beautiful wife here, I just want to acknowledge the love that I have for her. Give honor where honor is due. Guys, I might be the speaker, but she's the one that speaks. Her stableness in Christ is what gives me the balance. 
for her to love me unconditionally. And if anybody gets treated wrong out of anybody that I'm in fellowship with will be my wife because she usually get the tired guy, the guy that's overworked, that doesn't have enough, or the guy that's so prideful that you know what, you don't know what you're talking about, don't want to listen. And I, I'll just be honest, I'm confessing now, is this. Growing older, I'm a little bit more wise. Because every battle that I've come across, she had already prophesied about the people and the thing, but I didn't listen. And so I had to go through a storm. Yeah. Why she smiles, I told you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Women are so good at, I told you. You know what I mean? And so baby, I just want to acknowledge you and tell you how much I love you. Thank you for staying with me. Thank you for putting up with me. Thank you for covering me. And thank me know that I'm not worth keeping. And I know the only reason you're with me is because you fear and love God. And thank you for that. What an example. Amen. With that, it brings me, you know, we are into the Roe versus Wade thing. Now, I know everybody has their own opinion. I'm not here to debate or have an argument. But I do want to say this. It's easier to go against uh, uh, abortion because you're here. But the unseen, the Bible says children are a gift from God. Amen. So, so, so at one time, believe it or not, you were a child. You were a baby. You were a seed. <laughs> You was in your mama's womb. He knew you before you were ever born. And you came out to enjoy life. The good, the bad, and the ugly. It's unfortunate that many believers don't agree with that. And see, the reason I say this is because, you know, regardless of your condition and what you've been through and what we've been through and the things that I've done from taking girls to have abortion, taking my wife to have one and all that other stuff, you know, that didn't stop Jesus from coming. Right. He, he knew there was a bigger purpose. And so I, my wife has had four abortions. And she's taken that tragedy to turn it into a victory. And, and we know that we may not be able to stop the abortions because people have free will. You have the right for that decision. But the Bible says a man and a woman will reap what they sow. You'll never have a solid, happy, happy marriage the way it should be if you've been victimized of the areas of abortion. Because the deep must call upon the deep. There was nothing that I could do for Yolanda to set her free from that secret that she held for over 20 plus years. And the reason she got an abortion was to protect the rep reputation of her dad who was a pastor. And that counsel came from somebody who was a board member, right? The pastor told her to have the abortion to protect her dad's reputation. It sounds right, but is it right when it comes to the word? You see what I'm saying? And so my wife, finally, God sent some people to speak to her to tell her what she was going through. And she went to this session, and my wife didn't meet an angry God. She met a loving God who walked with her through those chambers of darkness and doors of guilt and condemnation and shame and murder and delivered her. And now she has this ministry called Precious Gifts for the Post-Deported Woman. I just want to testify that when she did that, our whole marriage changed. And so this year, I'm on a journey 
where God told me he was not going to open the doors very much to speak. Well, I speak to make a living, but I also speak because I have a calling. And I said, Lord, why? And he goes, well, I need you to use you to bring healing to my daughter. I go, well, which one? I got five. (laughs) And he shocked me. He said, your wife. I said, what? Lord, you know, I'm I'm the one that took them off of welfare, and I'm the, she hadn't had to work. I'm, I'm giving all my justifiable excuses, right? What do you mean she needs healing? He says, because you have forgotten, son, that before she's your wife, she's my daughter. So God has taken me on this journey, and I have failed miserably. I have heard myself the way I speak to her, my tone, my shortness, my impatience. I feel that anger rise up sometimes. I'm like, man, God, I'm trying to do the right thing. But, Lord, I seem like I'm failing. He goes, no, you're not failing. I'm letting you hear it like surround sound so that you can hear what she's heard from you all these years. And he said, I'm going to get the root out of you. So he says, this is how you will know you're on the right track. Is it okay I share this, you guys? He said, number one the number of times that you've held your wife's hand since you've been my son versus you being in the world. You see, you held her hand and put your arms around her and her arms underneath you and you hugged her because you looked at her in the world as an object, not as my daughter. So when she walks up to you and she grabs underneath your hand, you know you're on the right track. Number two, she will come and put her arm underneath you and hold you as if you're walking her back down the aisle, not as unsaved, but saved. That's when you know you're on the right track. And then number three, he says, she'll walk up to you and she'll kiss you on your cheek and say something like, you're my hero. She didn't know all that God had told me. I was feeling miserable as if I was failing, and here she comes. Bloop. Bloop. And this one here just shifted from here to here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and so I can tell you that this, for me, has been the best year. And I've only been doing this now for six months Hallelujah. of my marriage. Because my father cares for me. And he cares for his daughter. And God said, Darwin, now, son, instead of you saying, I love you. I'm taking you to deeper waters where you will prove and show you're in love with my daughter. So I'm in love with you, baby. Mm. Now let's get to the word, okay? Enough, enough. All right, praise God. Thank you. If you have a Bible, turn to Acts 16, 30, verse 31. Acts 16, verse 30 or 31. And if you notice the title was up there earlier, it's called Secure. Everybody say Secure. Secure the word. Secure the word. Now notice what it says in Acts 16, 31. It says, so they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Verse 30 says, what must I do to be saved? Father, help me in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible says in Acts 16, 30, what must I do to be saved? I wonder why nobody, is anybody been around, you've been around, has anybody asked you, what must I do to be saved? I wonder why that is. 
Is it they're that blinded and don't care? Or is it that my walk is so dim, my light's not shining? Because here they're asking this man, Peter, I mean, uh, Paul and Silas, they're asking them, what must I do to be saved? Now, if you're not familiar with saved means to be rescued. Anybody been in trouble before and somehow got bailed out? Okay, no confessions. Okay, all right. But, but anyway, he says, what must I do to be saved? And it's not saved from what, it's saved from who. It sounds like the man came to a point in his life where he got a revelation that there was something greater in this life that I've taken for granted. We live for the moment. We live for the seasons. We live for the things that we want. We believe that if I work hard, I'll be rewarded hard. And it makes me feel good about myself. It makes me feel valuable. It makes me feel important. Whatever somebody invested into me and that I get to receive to do something that I know I wasn't able to do to myself, to bail me out, to have a little bit more than a little bit less, it makes me feel important. But God is saying there's a greater freedom. See, we live for temporary things that we cannot take with us. You go to the cemetery, you go to the funeral, and you find that they're in the ground, but the car is still here. The house is still here. The bank account money is still there. Maybe my wife and my kids are still there. I worked hard and lived hard and I played hard, but I invested into the wrong thing. I paid more homage and respect to my boss because he paid me the check. I paid more homage and respect to family and the president of the United States and uh, the mature people, the elderly people. And I gave more homage and respect to myself than I gave the Lord Jesus Christ. And my time came to an end. Maybe we sit here today like most people to say, you know, how do you get to heaven? They go, well, you know, go to church. I mean, no, we got mass problems even inside the church. Or maybe you say, well, you know, be a good person. Well, have you ever lied? Yep, you're disqualified. <laughs> I've invested in something and someone that I give more respect to than God. And there we find this jailer, this prisoner is asking Paul and Silas a question. What must I do to become family? Notice the word secure. What are you securing? Secure simply is defined as to fasten oneself to someone or something before it gets loose or lost. It also is defined as it can protect you, security, from criminal behavior. I'm kind of upset with Adam and Eve because even though God born them and gave them everything that they never worked for, and God has given you a spirit to make life choices. Life is about a choice. Yeah. Right from wrong, good from evil. Choose to go to work or not go to work. Choose to starve or not to starve. Just life is about choices, and it doesn't seem like we were given a choice how we want to represent and serve God because through one man's sin, we all have sinned. So may I submit to you, regardless of your age, your nationality, or your size, some skinny, some big, it don't matter. We were born with equality in sin. 
But here's Jesus, according to Romans 10, uh, uh, excuse me, John 3, 17. He said, I didn't come to condemn you, but I came to save you. So let's not mix up conviction with guilt and condemnation as if you don't have the right to be corrected because God has every right because he made you. And he gave you a spirit. Everybody say spirit. Spirit. A spirit. Spirit that will remind you of the thing that God has spoken. That's why I don't trip when I read my Bible because I know there are different translations. I know that people have omitted and edited and took some things out. That doesn't bother me. I'm just glad the word is there. And I'm just glad that if, if, if man wrote this Bible, he wouldn't tell on himself so much. Come on, somebody. But even when the time comes, and it will come, that you will not be able to carry your Bible. Some of y'all might name a trip of it because you don't read your Bible. Right? You won't miss your Bible. Come on. We have the Holy Spirit that always comes to teach, remind, correct, and rebuke you, and prepare you and equip you for the great work God has in store for you. And if we would just take that same attention that we do on our job, you know, on your job, right, there's certain rules and regulations that you're supposed to fly by otherwise you might get written up or your check might get deducted or you could get fired i wonder if we took that same effort of faith and obedience and walked with god right how much more impacted we could be on this earth so the security found in the word so we find here that paul and silas is being asked what must i do to be saved now, I've been in ministry for 30, 40 some odd years, right? And, and every time I go to people, I ask them, I say, hey, do you believe in God? And they're like, oh, sure. Yeah, 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 I believe in God. You believe in heaven and hell? Oh, sure, I sure do. I said, well, how do you get to heaven? Well, that's a good question. Go to church. <laughs> Be a good person. Never about being born again. See, Paul and Silas went to a place because they were on an assignment. Everybody say assignment. assignment. Can I tell you that God has an assignment for your life? Yeah. Even no matter how far you get off the narrow path, that God is able to put you back on that narrow path. And sometimes the trials, the tribulations, the sufferings that we go through is to God to put you back on this place instead of that you wander off in the place that you get lost and never return. God has an assignment for every human being that has come out the womb. That's how important you are. See, you're going to touch some people that I can't touch. You're going to affect family, friends, and loved ones that I cannot touch. You carry a message of hope, a message of power, a message of redemption, a message that gives people value, but the problem is we're not being a witness. Do, do you get concerned about somebody that's been made in God's likeness and image and it wasn't because they became born again. They started off being made in their likeness and image. They were just born in sin. And so when I see people, I say, oh God, thank you for your beauty. Thank you for letting me see another person that's made in your likeness and image but is separated from you. So that's what gives me the motivation to go and witness because Jesus said, I did not prepare hell for any human being. That's for the devil and their demons. Paul and Silas are on an assignment. Say assignment. 
What assignment are you on? See, a lot of times people equate church to God. They, church, they contribute their tradition to God. Can I say this to you humbly and in love? The church is not God. God is God. He is sovereign. He is divine. He can do whatever he wants, when he wants, and how he wants. And he doesn't need your permission, nor does he need his opinion. But he still loves you. He still loves you. And so they're on this assignment. So well, let me show you briefly what, how God views salvation. Not man's opinion, not the world's opinion, but God's word who says, this is how much I love you. In 2 Corinthians 5, 19 through 20, it says, it was God who was personally present in Christ Jesus, choosing to forgive men of their sins. Mean counseling. They just canceled your debt, past, present, and future. In other words, what kind of debt do you carry? You don't have to say, but you got some debt, right? So if I had the money and I came in and I said, I want to pay for this man's debt, boom, and you're debt free. I just chose to do it. I just chose to do it because I love you, because I believe you. I want to see you free. I got too much money, right? I'm paying off the debt. This is what Jesus did. Jesus, I cancel your debt. Freedom! Even though you didn't ask me, and even though you owe me, I choose to come and cancel your debt. And I choose not only to, so that I can reconcile you back to favor with God. Outside of Christ, you don't have his favor. So there's so much more to life that God wants you to experience. So much more to life that God wants you to endure. So much more of life. He says, I come to give you life and life more abundantly. Now, the devil's the one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I'll use the devil as a specialist to get your attention so you'll come to me. Right? So this is the assignment, right? And so they come, and then Jesus says in Romans 10, 31, all those who call on the name of the Lord. What's his name? Can you say his name? Jesus. Can you say your name like you honor it? Jesus. Can you say your name like you believe it? Jesus. Can you say the name like you in love with him? Jesus! Now something just happened that we didn't see. All kind of demons just left. That's what the word says. That the name of Jesus, it causes demons to tremble and they flee. You have power in the name of Jesus. You better learn to secure the word. I'm trying to preach to you this morning. Secure the word. God says, I'm the blessed assurance. You can count on me. I may not give you what you want when you want it, but I'll give you what you need when you need it. According to his will and righteousness found in Christ Jesus. Not your opinion, not your feelings. Let me give you a classic example. If I was to ask you, sir, can I use you as an exercise? Because you look like you're ready to take me out. <laughs> if I asked you where you're from, what would you tell me? Just where you're from. California, boo, no, just kidding. <laughs> okay, how about you? Where you? How about you? How about you? I stopped picking on the guys. How about you, ma'am? How about you? How about you? I almost turned white right there. Help me from <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. I was on a roll. Now watch, 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 watch. This is a teaching message. 
See, as long as I stay in the natural, the flesh, the Bible says the flesh and the spirit war against one another. They have nothing in common. Are you born again? Are you born again? Are you born again? Born again? So where are you from? Boom. Boom. You see what I'm saying? You see how, how quickly and how easy it is. It may seem very minute. But how can I tap into what God has of me if I'm presenting the old man that died? Because Galatians 2.20 says, I no longer live, but it's Christ that liveth in me. So if I keep feeding the old man in the old ways, I'm trying to resurrect him from the dead. And Jesus, I can't touch this. Because you no longer live. You are no longer in sin. Though sin may be on you, the body counts for nothing, but the spirit lives. And the Holy Spirit said, I cannot eat of anything except that which is of the word. Amen. Does that make sense? Amen. So now I say this. When they ask me where I'm from, I say, well, the old man grew up in Compton and Inglewood, California. But he died November 13, 1988, 7.45 p.m. And I became born again, washed by the blood. I'm from the blood of the life that came down to heaven, went to the cross and resurrected and back to the sky. This is who I am. I am a child of the Most High God. We don't want to give room by continuously trying to serve God in the natural when we should serve him in the spirit. Walk in the spirit, pray in the spirit, live in the spirit. And God is always speaking. He says, those who love me will worship me and praise me in spirit and in truth. Does that make sense? So I got to change my thinking, which happens in Romans 12 too. Renew your mind through the word of God. Come on, somebody. The word of God. So that you can be effective for the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God suffered violence, but the violent... The men, uh, you know, we know how to get nasty with it and suffer violence, but the violent men take it by force. Can somebody say amen? amen. So here is our assignment. The assignment is in John 3, 3, you must become born again. Now, I know the majority of in here are born again, but how effective are you being a born again Christian? For by grace that you have been saved, but are you walking in power? Right. See, the devil hates that you're born again. See, the devil wants... With, from you what he can no longer have you know what you have that he can't have salvation you know what you have that he can't have forgiveness you know what you have that he can't have a name that is above all well we got some power up in here come on somebody that's what the devil wants so he can rob you of your peace and your joy and your happiness and your assignment and your destiny to get you to think and walk and talk like the world and the old man instead of the new man now, Jesus became all things to identify with culture. So the assignment was we must be born again. You and I have the ability to lead people to Christ. There's no greater joy. Just do what I just did. How do you get to heaven? You know the answer. Pray with them. Come on, somebody. The assignment, right? So Jesus said, because you're born again, Matthew 28, 16, he said, uh, listen, Go into all the nations, go to all the people, the cities of the communities, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and know that I am with you always. I have given you full authority, Amen. not half the authority, full authority, yeah. full authority, power. Acts 1.8, you should receive power when the yeah. Holy Spirit comes upon you. Yeah. The Holy Spirit will remind you, lead you, guide you. He will give you discernment. He will give you prophetic word. He will encourage you. He will boost you to bring somebody out of bondage. Hallelujah. Right? That's what the Holy Spirit will do. So you know we had a pandemic, right? Yeah. So a lot of people say that pandemic was of the devil. I, I just strongly disagree. I, I believe it was of God. 
because the world and the churches have gotten so far away from the narrow road that God had to wake them up and say, you're relying on the system and you're not relying on the spirit. You need to learn to secure the word. So in this pandemic, and, and I'm not knocking anybody because it's free will. Everybody say free will. free will. You have a choice to believe or not to believe, right? So a lot of churches close because more people are concerned about their health than their salvation. We got to a point where now, see, we restricted God instead of let God loose. Yeah. Follow me here. He said, I've given you full authority. Yeah. That means you walk victorious. Okay. That means you got somebody that you can count on him, yeah, the right. backup. You got ministering angels and guardian angels. And that power dwells within you. Well, life is lived from the inside out when you're born again. Church clothes. We do baptisms, right? Everybody looks forward to being. Even people who ain't saved come to the house of God when their family member getting baptized. But that baptized in the water doesn't save them. There's only one way to be saved, and that's through Christ. I have to repent. And repent isn't saying, I'm sorry, I have to change my life. I have to change the way I think. I have to walk in the spirit, be blessed in the spirit, and, and, and live in the spirit, right? So the church closes, God forbid. Time's going to come, beloved. Prepare yourself that you may not even be able to have church. Prepare yourself that maybe one day some people, some strangers you don't even know might come in here and take your pastor and arrest him and lock him up. Take his wife too. Prepare yourself for that time for you to get arrested and beaten. A lot of us would throw in the towel at that suffering. But the church closed, so does the work of the Lord stop? No. no. You're absolutely right. So what do we do? See, I uh, said a lot of times people equate God to the church. But the church we see is a building. But God sees the church as you and me those who have become born again. We are living epistles with the message of hope, deliverance, and power. So if the church closed and we can no longer do outreaches like we're doing out here, fellowshipping. If the church closes, we can no longer do baptism. If the church closes, we can no longer get people filled with the spirit. If the church closes and we no longer preach the message. Well, Jesus said, I have given you full authority. So if the church is closed, mom and dads, grandmas and grandpas, and you got kids and somebody wants to be baptized, you take them to your bathtub. You have full authority to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you don't have a bathtub, you got a community pool, take them to the community pool and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And if you don't have a community pool, take your water hose and pour it over them and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Spirit, uh, Holy Ghost. But the Spirit of the Lord and the work of the Lord must continue. you got to secure the word of God that lives inside you. Be a living epistle. Yeah. So here we go. Are you ready? Almost done. Paul and Silas are on this journey. Paul, before he was Paul, was Saul. And Saul was religious. He's like most people that I share with you about how do you get to the kingdom of God. They have an awareness of God, but they don't have God. Right? And so Saul would think that as a Christian, a man of God, he would beat up and persecute 
and arrest and throw in the jail those who are supposed to be his brother. What deception that is. That's because he serves a spirit of religion. And it wasn't until he met, oh, come on, somebody. He had an encounter with Jesus while he rode on his white horse. I don't know why the horse wasn't black, but anyway, he rode on a white horse. Come on, somebody. That he had this encounter because pride comes before the fall, and it knocked him off his horse, and Paul became blind. So now Paul had an encounter with God, realized that he had missed the mark in God, and that he was serving a religion and tradition and not Jesus Christ himself. See, Mark 7, 8 says this, if you're taking notes, how easy it is to set aside the commandments of God to follow the traditions of men. Traditions will take you away from Christ, but freedom in Christ will allow you to live a lifestyle of power in God. Can somebody say amen? Amen. So now he gets converted. And so now he's out here to go to Macedonia to get to Philippi. But the Holy Spirit told him, I don't want you to preach to these other cities that you're going to cross. Be scared when you can't preach the gospel into a city. Maybe judgment has already hit it. And his grace has ran out. But they had to get to Philippi. It was the manufacturer for the city because of the roads that led to it and the water in it. It was a commercial industry for that city. So they're going in there and he takes Silas with him. Silas was a gospel missionary. Silas loved to preach the gospel. So he would hook up with Paul before before he was Saul, but now he's Paul. He would hook up with Paul and they would leave, come on somebody, the church, and they would go after the lost to bring the Gentiles to Christianity. So on their way over there, they begin walking, sharing with one another. The call of God and how much they've been transformed and how much they've been changed. And they walk into Macedonia and there's a woman named Lydia or Lystria. And she wants to bring her work because she made a lot of, uh, uh, what do you call that, fiber and making clothes and stuff. She was really good. She Purple was, a, was her excellence. This is what she did. She was an expert in that. And she overheard them talking and she says, my, oh, my. She goes, if I have found favor with you before God... Please come spend the night. Let me feed you guys and let me take you to my prayer session. Prayer was usually happening in the area that they were going. But they were going in Philippi was Roman customary. Romans had nothing to do with Jewish people. They hated Christianity. That's why Paul and Silas wanted to go. They didn't want a group of people that were so full of themselves that thought they knew God, but they didn't. They want people that never heard of God and knew about the salvation message in Christ. Amen? Amen. Remember, we're talking about the assignment. So here they go in, and as they're doing this, this woman gets baptized. And then they take off, and they begin strolling again, and all of a sudden they're about to enter into Philippi. Philippi has no knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now remember, they were sharing in in Macedonia but they hadn't preached the gospel yet, right? This woman sees it. So as they're walking, you guys, Paul and Silas, Timothy, they're on an assignment. And as they're walking, this woman notices them. This wasn't a woman of the night. (laughs) This is a woman of divinity, a woman of witchcraft and sorcery, a woman that carried a python spirit. There was like a serpent. She had a gift of discernment. See, God will give you a gift, and the gift is irrevocable. You get to choose who you use it for. (laughs) And so this woman sees them, and 
The Bible says that she kept saying this over and over and over for many days. And Paul and Silas are walking, and as soon as she sees a miha, she goes like this. <laughs> These men are servants of the most high God who come to lead you to the way of salvation. How in the world does a woman with witchcraft share the good news better than most Christians? I mean, she's demon-possessed. I understand that light exposes darkness, but in this case, darkness is exposing the light. She's telling them who these men are. Nobody asks. She's telling them who they are. Now, I don't know if Paul and Silas... We're not doing their job. You know, sometimes we get lots of days to go get comfortable. You know, we, we haven't reached our destination yet before we do what we're supposed to do. I don't know what the case is, but what I do know, God is watching. And God will use anybody from anywhere at any time to get his assignment fulfilled. I think that was a kick in Paul and Silas's butt. They went, ooh, ouch. And then the Bible says that Paul turns around after hearing it so often, he turns around and gets upset. He gets mad. He gets angry. The Bible says, in your anger, do not sin. Well, Paul didn't sin, but I think, in my case, I believe he was about to reward somebody for their obedience. Y'all are missing this one. She said, these men have come, are servants of the Most High God who come to show us the way of salvation. Paul stops and turns around and says, I'm not pointing at you, Pastor. <laughs> you evil spirit, you come out of her right now. And the Bible says that she was delivered within the hour. In other words, she got free. She was no longer in bondage to the darkness with her gift. She has been set free. She must have been, oh, hallelujah, praise God. She must have got her groove on because she'd been delivered. But then the leaders, the powers of the city got upset. The mayor, city council workers, businessmen got upset because they messed with their gift. This woman made them money, lots of money. Everybody love money. The love of money is not the root of all evil. It's the love that you acquire for it. Come on, somebody. They were upset, so they got angry. Everybody said angry. So you know what they did? They grabbed a hold of Paul and Silas. And tell me if this doesn't sound familiar. They ripped off their clothes. They got a rod, and they beat them. And they smashed them, and they kicked them, and they hit them. It sounds like they were doing what Jesus had already done. It must mean they were walking right on that narrow road. See, sometimes the adversity that you go through in suffering, what an honor it is to suffer for the cause of Christ, who did it in honoring you. And so, man, if my brother could come up now, I'm sorry, I'm kind of delayed. Come on. Uh, you know, I, I can't sing you all, but I want to take you in the theater of your mind and travel with me as we are here in 2022. Paul and Silas are men of God. They're on an assignment. And every time they, when it, before they would go into prayer, that's when they met that woman of divination. Yeah. I, I don't know about you, but every time I want to pray and I go to pray, I start to pray and I... <laughs> or something comes up because the devil, if you don't hear anything else I'm saying today, 
does not want you talking and fellowshipping with God. He'll do anything that he can to interrupt with your flesh to keep you from being intimate and communion with God. Because out of your mouth you can speak life or you can speak death. That's why we cannot talk like the world and think like the world. We have to think in the spirit. Paul and Silas are beaten and they're whipped and they're scourged and they're marged and they're thrown into prison. And this isn't your regular prison that you have today where you got weights to get yoked. This isn't where you get to play pool and you don't have a phone where you can get over there to call somebody. Can you bail me out and help me? Or just to have communication that you don't lose your sanity when you're in one of the devil's favorite places, treasure place called prison. Didn't have cement flooring. Didn't have chrome toilets and toilet paper. They were about six to eight feet deep in the ground. Had a little window with a bar on it and then they had bars with another bar locking their security and keeping them in. And they were locked up with other criminals. Paul and Silas were not criminals, but they were found to be criminals because of the message that they preached and the power that they had as men of God. I want you to know this morning that you are ambassadors of Christ. The Bible says that the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. The Holy Spirit is waiting to empower you to do signs, wonders, and miracles, but the greatest one is getting people to come to Christ. So Paul and Silas are beaten up. I don't ever know if you've been beaten up, but it doesn't feel good. And so I want you to travel with me in the theater of your mind for a moment. After Paul and Silas' clothes are whipped off, they have metal rods and they're beating them because of who they represent and how they touch their heart, their treasure. The Bible says, wherever your heart is, so your treasure shall be. Their love for money, to make income, didn't worry about anybody else suffering. It was making money, and you're messing with my money, man. So let's beat these boys down and throw them into prison so they cannot mess with our income. And here's Paul and Silas. Got a pretty good beat down. Can, can you imagine walking like this? Man, whew. They stomped my toes and they're so swollen. I got bunions upon bunions upon bunions. Oh, my back. I think my disc might be broken. Oh, man, my jaw. Is it really swollen, man? I can barely see. Is my eye in or out? Is my tooth tip chipped? Oh, oh. No, 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 no. The Bible doesn't say that. They never complained. Because their weapons are carnal. They're of the spirit. And so I believe this is what Paul and Silas did. That you and I lack doing that we need to get better in. Because it's a weapon. Everybody say weapon. I believe Paul and Silas may have saying something like this, y'all looking at me like you want me to sing like Teddy Pendergrass, but that ain't in me. I'm sorry. <laughs> if I sing, everybody be leaving. Ooh, ooh, he is not anointed. That's catastrophe. So the Bible says that we have gifts in the church. You are your gifts of the church. See, God doesn't care how it sounds. He just wants to hear a sound from you. And so I asked them to do their thing. 
that we can imagine Paul and Silas in prison, beaten down, barely surviving. And they begin to remind themselves and sing songs as the other prisoners laid in prison to hear. And they sang something like this about God's love for you. I love you, Lord. They lifted up their voice. If you know it, you can sing it. Take the peace of God and the joy, even though you're going through a storm. They became the operator to get a hold of the one that can hear. You mean what I got to say sounds sweet to Jesus? him and worship him God's saying to you it is a sweet sweet sound to his ears you begin to stir God and, and God begins to allow the spirit of God to descend down to your atmosphere and your environment and then they shift it and go to another level where they know that now God is hearing them that they begin to remember oh how he touched them that had slipped away through time but the Holy Spirit remembers and wants to bring it back to your remembrance and now he says because he's able to touch you the atmosphere is about to change something powerful is about to happen and the Bible says that an earthquake came and the sail gales opened up and the chains fell off their wrists and the chains fell off their feet they began to lift holy hands they began to do a Holy Ghost dance they began to dream again an earthquake showed up and all of a sudden deliverance came 
the jailer who was asleep during the whole time woke up when the presence of God came. I want you to know this morning the presence of God is here and it can be to a greater degree to the degree that we choose to die the more that he would fill us up. Jail cells open. I don't know if you know anything about being in prison, but when I worked in the prison for 20 years, every time I opened that door, the prisoners always tried to escape. But in this case, these men who were beaten, they didn't complain. They began to sing songs of praise and worship. They began to remind them how themselves, how God touched them and transformed them and gave them the privilege to serve him and to suffer for him, to bring him honor and glory. And all those jail cells opened, but not one prisoner left. Not one prisoner left. And when the jailer saw that the gates were open, he thought everybody escaped. Because the Roman law says to the soldier, if you lose, one prisoner will take your life. So he draws out his sword. He's about to end his life. But men of hope, men of God, men who love Jesus, put others before themselves. Paul and Silas cried out, don't harm yourself for we are still here. Can you imagine what have happened since if that jailer had took his life and never received Jesus? He slips into eternity and darkness and torment now and forevermore, never to come back. But the men of God and all the prisoners were so captivated by the atmosphere and the presence of God that nobody left. And all of a sudden, Paul and Silas, that prisoner comes and he falls down. And Paul and Silas is facing, give me a light. He wasn't trying to look for a smoke. And he falls down at their knees. And he asks this question. What was I do to be saved? How do I get rescued? How do I become a part of this family? Who is this God that can do these wonders and these miracles? And Paul, in the Bible says, he takes the jailer, takes Paul and Silas, into his home and then he begins to clean their wounds and they put food before them now Paul and Silas preach believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved you and your household and the Bible says they all got baptized and they all got saved and then the jailer led them out to the prison. Sometimes your enemy will be leading you out when you stayed in to make a difference. See, what I'm trying to get you to show is that when you know that God loves you, when you know how he touched you and transformed your life, when you know that you're that living when you know that you've been forgiven and redeemed, when you know that there's power in you, that you know that I'm free on the inside, so there's no atmosphere, there's no circumstance that can put me back in bondage. So here's what I like to do.
You can sit down if you choose. Just give me something quiet. drug addict. I'm no longer an alcoholic. I'm no longer a murderer and a thief and a liar, a sexually immoral person. I'm no longer a pimp. I'm free because of Jesus Christ. I've been free over 30 years because of Jesus my marriage is restored and renewed and being refreshed because of Jesus Christ. Freedom! I'm called of God. I'm adopted by God. I'm forgiven by God. I'm restored and renewed. And I suffer for him because he suffered for me. And I love him because he first loved me. Freedom! this world, but I'm in it, but I'm living heaven here on earth. Freedom! My mom and dad may be entered into their last years. My mom has passed on, but she's not in hell. She's in heaven because I led her to the Lord before she died. Freedom! My dad is on his way out, but I led my dad to Christ. Even though he had dementia, God gave him a clear mind to receive Jesus. Freedom! Even though I may be battling with diabetes, I know I got the victory in Christ Jesus. Freedom! I may be retired, but I'm not retired. Freedom! Living in a nation where I get to choose and to vote. Freedom! I no longer smoke cigarettes or lust after other women. Freedom! I no longer just love my wife. I'm in love with my wife. Freedom! I'm not the best dad in the world, but I'm a man of God that does the best he can while I'm in the world to give my kids the word of God. Freedom! My question, you look at that cross and we're talking about freedom. I can't bring the cross down. Maybe there's something that you want to leave at the altar. Guilt and condemnation that doesn't belong in you. It can rest on you, but it should never be in you. Maybe you have sexual identity problems. The word said, I made you male and female. I did not mix it up. Lay it at the cross today. Freedom! Maybe you struggle with your identity and really don't know who you are because you base your value what other people are saying about you. But Jesus says, my value is greater. I love you. Freedom! Maybe you're battling with alcohol, cigarettes. Maybe you're involved in fornication or adultery. Freedom! Lay it down. Lay it down at the altar. This is why he came. You know what Jesus wants from you? He doesn't want your glory because he is glory. John 1 9 if I confess my sin that he not me is just and faithful to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness maybe you're battling physical 
knee paralysis, arthritis, psoriasis, come to the cross. Lay it down. I may have the symptom, but the symptom doesn't have me. Freedom! I speak life to my mind, my body, my soul, and my spirit. I know who I am in Christ. I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. My family will no longer follow the curse of divorce. We will call the unity for marriage and honor God. I will die to myself that Christ may live in me. I choose to be the light on the hill and not color. Afraid of. Maybe there's something that you might just want to come. I'm just trying to set the example of being independent. Because you belong to Christ. That you will walk to this altar before your brothers and sisters. You don't have to tell them what it is. The devil knows what it is. He would love for you to stay right where you're at and walk right out that door carrying the same old junk. God says, if you walk here, I'm going to give you freedom over everything the devil has held you hostage of. You just might want to come up here. See, my son is backslidden. I'm going to do this for him. Acts 16, if I remain faithful, real, and transparent with God, and not only would he save me, but he'll give my whole house so my son shall be saved. Signed, sealed, and delivered. You struggle with pornography, just walk up. Nail it to the cross. You have a choice today. And anything is possible that you face to get the victory before you walk out of these doors to experience the freedom that God has paid for. If you're here this morning, you can close your eyes for a moment. You know your private battles. You know your bondage. You know you're sinning, and, and, and maybe you found yourself more committed to church than you have been Christ. Maybe you carry this spirit of religion. God's not mad at you. He's just giving you an opportunity to come into alignment. And so you would like to invite Christ into your heart. Can you just slip your hand up real quick? Say, yeah, I, I, I need Jesus. I want to be closer to Jesus. I want to be used by Jesus. I want to go after the lost. I want to die to the things of this world and live for the word. That's you. Just slip your hand up high. I see one. I see two. Anybody else? I see three. I see four. I see five. I see six. I see seven. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're not asking you to join the church. I'm asking you to join the family so you can go to church and then become the church and get equipped. I want us to be able to say a prayer. Then after we say this prayer, your prayer doesn't save you. You're just simply coming into agreement with the finished work that Jesus did for you at the cross. And you're saying, Lord, I trust you with this. I trust you with the salvation of my soul. And then the work that you begin, I trust that you will deliver me, heal me, and fill me according to your season and your timetable. So can we say, Jesus, I thank you for speaking to me. I thank you for coming to die for me. Today, I choose you. I give you permission to come into my heart. And I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. 
I ask you to use me, to heal me, and to deliver me, and give me freedom from on high. In Jesus' name, amen.